0: Well, we're going to make our confession. First service, we made our old confession, then the new one. Sometimes I just like to hear that old one. So let's say it. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Now let's do our new one. I love it also. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me because Jesus lives. As you can tell, I don't have it memorized yet. Let's give the Lord a hand anyway. You can be seated. Good to see all of you in the house of God of the Lord. We thank God for all of you visitors. And I want to call your attention. It's in your bulletin, I believe, but I got a book this week and uh, I just really encourage all of you to get a copy of this book out at Barnes and Noble. It's David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby's uh, new book just came out. Give it all away so that you can get it all back again. And the book is about giving and dedicating not just a business from a businessman standpoint, but from the standpoint of whatever you do, your business, your, your job, your profession, your family, give it all to the Lord and watch what God will do for you and what He will do in it. And in this story, David Green uh, tells about how he started out in his garage with just making picture frames. He had a vision, desire from God, he thought. And he started making picture frames. He uh, grew up in a a pastor's home and a pastor's family. And all of his brothers became ministers. And he talks about how he really struggled in the very beginning. But he felt like it was God's company. Out of those humble beginnings, he went from one little operation out of a garage. He now has his company 700 locations across the country. Uh, 32,000 employees, yearly sales of $4 billion, of which they give one half of their profit to the Lord to distribute as he sees fit. But the most important thing is they give their entire business to God. They meet every week as a group to determine where they're going to distribute the money. They have determined as a family not to take control of the money, but it all belongs to God in perpetuity. Did I say that wrong? I said it wrong in the first one, too. Well, you know what I mean. Tell your neighbor I know what he meant. And, uh, and, and he tells a story in here about how he never, ever envisioned taking on the United States government. But they took on the United States government and in a landmark decision. Now, this is so important for our faith and for all of you. They consulted with their attorneys because they were going to use the profits that they were paying and what they were paying for their benefits, for their employees, for their insurance, uh, they, uh, for the uh, uh, abortion pill and for actual abortions. And they stood up and they said, you know what? That's wrong. This company belongs to God, and that is against our Christian Judeo ethical beliefs. It's against the Word of God. And they consulted with their attorneys, and the attorney said that if you lose this battle with the Supreme Court, the United States government has already weighed in, and they will fine you $1.3 million per day, and it's just a matter of days until you will not be able to operate. And they met as a family and prayed, and this fits in with the message today, because we need to give it all to God. Turn to your neighbor, me, We need to give it all to God. Stop working for yourself. Stop trying to make a living. Let God make the living for you by showing you what to do. And they met as a family, and the family said, you know what? This business belongs to God. It's not our business. If the business makes it, praise God. If it doesn't make it, praise God. We'll do something else. But it is wrong what the government is telling us we must do. And in a landmark decision, the Supreme Court voted 5-4 to to uphold the Christian Judeo beliefs of companies and individuals who own companies that they do not have to violate their God-given ability to serve the Word of God. I think we ought to give the Lord a hand for that. All of it is chronicled here, and I encourage you, uh, I encourage you to get that book. It is just a really, and it's talking about legacy, how to live a legacy. Well, let's all say it, whether you believe it or not. I like to laugh. Like to laugh. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love to laugh. I got a couple of uh, things for you here. First of all, I, uh, I want to tell you a story about our little uh, uh, granddaughter, Molly. Picked her up after school the other day. Pam normally does when she has to be picked up, but I, I picked her up and I had a little card I got in the mail. Now, I want you to know that I am nobody. Millions and millions of people who happen to support the person who is now the president got this card, okay? So whether you like Donald Trump or not, doesn't really matter. Some support him, some don't. Uh, I happen to support him, but, so I got the card. It, it says that I am a presidential advisor. That means when Donald Trump needs help, he calls me and he asks me what I think. <laughs> anyway, that's what I told my granddaughter. Uh, she, when I picked her up, this was laying on the car seat, and my granddaughter picked it up, and she said, what is this? And I said, well, that's, uh, that's my card uh, that I am a, a presidential advisor to uh, Donald Trump. And uh, she said, you are? And she's eight, she's eight years old, and I said, yes. Now, that's what my letter said, so I wasn't lying. And uh, I said, yeah, that's what my letter said. I said, I guess he's going to call me up and ask me when he's got hard problems what, I, what he needs to do. And she said, well... I hope you tell him he needs to cut taxes because my sister's paying way too much in taxes working as a servant over Bruno's. <laughs> I thought I thought that was so cute coming out of the mouth of an eighteen-year or eight-year-old eight-year-old child. Okay, here's the next one I have for you. We shared this Wednesday night. I thought it was kind of cute. How many of you realize that? Well, you don't have to realize it, but but supposedly as you get older, uh, your memory can be. It's not that you lose your memory, you just have an awful lot up there to remember as as you get older. And This story is about a couple that are in their mid-90s and they were were squabbling a lot, the husband and wife, because they they kept forgetting. The husband would forget, the wife would forget, and the other one would say, there you go again, forgetting. So they went to the doctor and they said, is there anything that, that we can do to help in this situation that's causing problems between us? The doctor said, yeah, yeah. I said, and they asked, is there some kind of medicine they can take? And, and, and they said, no, no, you don't need medicine. Your memory's fine. We've tested you out. You're just older. Uh, you know, things change as you get older. But I have a suggestion that will really help you, and that is that what you need to do is just write things down, and then you won't have that problem. Just, just write them down. It's okay. So they went home, and that evening they were watching television kind of late, and the husband got up and started out to the kitchen, Wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm, I'm going to the kitchen. And I said, well, would you bring me back uh, some ice cream, vanilla ice cream, a bowl of ice cream? And, and he said, yeah, I will. I said, now write it down. You know how you are. He said, I don't have to write down a bowl of ice cream. And so he you know, kind of shook his head. And she said, by the way, I want strawberries on that. And he said, okay, strawberries. She said, now write it down, write it down. He said, I'm not writing it down. I can remember all of this. So he goes out and said, by the way, I want whipped cream on top of that. And I uh, okay, I'll get the whipped cream. She said, honey, write it all down. So I don't have to write it down. And so he goes out into the kitchen. About 20 minutes later, he comes back, and he's got a plate full of bacon and eggs. And uh, she, she looks at the bacon and eggs, and she says, where's the toast? <laughs> okay. Sunday school teacher, teacher in her class. Five-year-olds, five-year-olds, I, I just, that's a precious age if you've ever been around five-year-olds, just precious. And she's teaching about what it takes to get into heaven, and uh, so she decides to give them a, a, little, uh, a little quiz, uh, open quiz for the t- uh, class. And so she says, okay, if I sold all of my home, my car, and took all of my savings and, and just gave it all to the church, would that get me into heaven? They all shouted, No no and she said well what if I just worked at the church and volunteered at the church and cleaned the church and did everything I could at the church would that give me into heaven they said no 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 she said well then what is it that will get me into heaven and one five little old boy jumped up and shouted he said I know you got to be dead (laughs) well hallelujah if you have your bibles we're going to we're going to read in the book of Matthew in just a moment, but I want to, I want to paraphrase this message. Uh, G- God has been speaking some things to me about situations and circumstances that <clears throat> sometimes they don't go right. Uh, it, it doesn't kind of turn out the way we thought it would, or it doesn't happen as quickly as we thought it would happen. All of you are facing something in your life that you can praise God for. It is awesome. It is going wonderful. And you can also find something that it just, it isn't working the way I thought it would. And that—that that some things in my life were like that, that it just, it just isn't going quite the way I, I thought it would. And when you study the Word of God, God has always blessed His people when they have trusted in Him and rested in Him. Always, always. All you got to do is read the Old Covenant from the very uh, beginning all the way through. When they did what God said, they were blessed. They came upon them overtook them. Uh, when they didn't, they had captivity. They had challenges. They had situations. So going back into the Old Covenant, When God brought them out of Egypt, God said to them, I'm going to give you a a, a promised land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, He described the land to them. He told them how beautiful it was going to be. And obviously the people were excited, and they were following Moses into the promised land, and they were all excited about it. All of us sometimes can get excited about the promises of God, and we we get encouraged by them, and we want them. And then we try to impose our time frame on them. Uh, maybe, maybe we want it to be done by this time or that time. And I know in my life there were some things that instead of looking at all of the blessings of God, and this has been fairly recent, instead of looking at all the blessings that God has given us, I was looking at the things that were not there, that hadn't happened yet. And I was focusing more on the things that hadn't happened instead of the things that I was praising God for. Can you all say amen to what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you got things like that in your own life that if you're not careful you can drift? into what's not going right instead of what's going uh, great. And, and, and the children were all excited. And then they got to the edge of the promised land and they were right on the verge of the promise that God had given them. Tell, tell your neighbor, you're on the verge of the promise coming to pass. You're on the verge of that promise coming to pass. Don't let go now. But when they got there, they saw things that they hadn't seen before. The obstacles that were before them. I don't know what the obstacles are in your life today. Many times in our lives, it's finances. Many times, it's relationships. Many times, it's, well, things didn't work out the way I thought they would, or I I thought this thing would happen, and now this thing has happened, or I went through a lot of blessings, but now I've got this one more obstacle, and that's what happened to them. They would lived in the wilderness, they'd lived in tents, uh, they lived in tents, they lived in food that, you know, they couldn't go to the restaurant, they had to get manna every day on the ground and go pick it up, probably not the ideal situation, they complained about it, but they went ahead and did it anyway, but they were blessed continually by God, and that has been our track record, Pam and I, that's your track record, let's just say, I have been totally blessed by God, And then there are areas in your life where it just didn't work out well. Pastor Stanley over in Uganda right now, Camp Rhino, uh, you know, he's been blessed by God, blessed by God with finances, blessed by God with health, blessed by God with everything else. And then all of a sudden the health situation changes. Typhoid comes in. Uh, malaria comes in, all that kind of stuff, and they've got to fight through it, and in the midst of all of it, they've just got to release their faith and rest in the Word of God and believe God to take care of it. They just got a report this week that his sister-in-law was killed in fighting that was going on still over in the Sudan by some of the rebel forces, and all of a sudden his sister-in-law is in heaven, but... but All of a sudden, one moment, gone, just like that. You can focus upon the tragedies of life, or you can focus upon the blessings of life. If you focus upon the blessings, you're going to enter into a rest. If you focus on all the things that aren't going right, you're going to have a constant stress in your life. And the constant stress in your life will pull you away from the things of God. And the Word of God says, by the way, let's pray for Stanley and his family. Father, we lift up Pastor Stanley and his family. I thank you, Lord, for his sister who is alive and well in heaven right now, but we pray for a grieving husband and grieving children and for all of the family, and just thank you that somehow, some way, the peace that surpasses understanding will be there. In Jesus' name, and we all said, and let's pray for Sue O'Brien. Her mother, Kathleen, decided to, I don't know if she decided or not, but my guess is she closed her eyes and decided it was time to go home. How old? 97, is that right? 97 years old. Father, we thank you for Sue. We thank you that Kathleen is alive and well in heaven. She breathed her last breath on this earth and the first one in heaven with you. What a wonderful legacy and memory she has left. The beautiful smile, the beautiful woman that she was, she still is. She's just up in heaven with Jesus. And we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. What a, a lifetime of memories. So, anyway, the word of God is really clear God has always wanted us to rest in his promises and believe whatever he says and that you and I have a book full of the word of God that tells us how God feels about us what God wants to do in our life and in addition to that we have our prayer journal Uh, every one of you should have a prayer journal turn to your neighbor and say you need a prayer journal You got a prayer journal, and you carry this around with you everywhere that you go. It's in your car continually. It's on your bedpost. It's in your bed with you. And when God, I don't know about you, but God does not talk to me on my time frame. Uh, I'll go out and say, Here I am, God, you got a half hour. Go for it. Uh, It doesn't work that way. God speaks to me whenever He wants to, and I understand that. And so I got my prayer journal, and I will hear things, and I will write them down. I think, Oh, God, this has to be you. And I'll write that down. That becomes just as important to us as the written word in the Bible because this is what God is still speaking. John 10, 27, my people hear my voice. You hear the voice of God. And this is what's showing you what's going to come. But then he's not showing you what's coming so that you can take control and do it in the arm of the flesh. God does the supernatural. We are the ones who are called to be obedient and position ourselves. Jehoshaphat, in the word of God, one day woke up, and he was surrounded by the enemy, didn't know what to do. The enemy was bigger and taller and stronger than them, and they thought that they were going to lose it all, and he didn't know what to do, and he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord said basically this, Jehoshaphat, all you have to do is position yourself. The battle is mine, and I will fight the battle. God will fight your battles for you if you have positioned yourself where he wants you to be. And when the children were on the edge of the promised land, you all know the story. Twelve spies went out, uh, ten spies uh, came back, and they gave a bad report. They went contrary to the word of God. Two spies came back and said, we are well able to do what God has said. Let's all say, I am well able to do whatever God says. If you believe that, you will enter into a supernatural rest. But if you try to prove what your availability or what you're able uh, able to do for God, then you'll start to do things or try to figure things out. And the Word of God says we lean not to our own understanding. If God says it, do it. In this book by Hobby Lobby by David Green, he was talking in the very beginning about closing on Sunday and uh, how he felt that the Lord wanted him to close on Sunday. He said it was an easy decision to make because God said so. How many of you know that's true? How many of you realize some of the decisions God wants you to make are not easy because you start to think about it? I'm going to close on Sunday. I'm going to lose a million-some dollars in sales. Truett Cathy went through the same thing when he started Chick-fil-A. And God tells you to do something. I don't know for sure what his reason is in everything that he tells us, but he's going to stretch you beyond where you are to see if he can trust you. He loves you whether you serve him or not, but he's got to know, can I trust you to get in the boat and go to the other side and do what I've called you to do? And the good news is this thing is easy. Everybody say, it's easy. Now, the difficulty that we sometimes have is positioned right between our ears and right up here, and it's called our mind. Our mind has to be renewed to the perfect will of God. But once you have your mind renewed and you know what God has spoken to you in your prayer journal, then the rest is all yours. As he chronicles in his book, all the cash flow we have is from God and it belongs to God. We just get to funnel it through where he wants it. We are merely stewards of what God has given us. You are a steward of what God has given you. And if you'll do what God says to do, you'll always be blessed by God. But sometimes we get a little bit overloaded in the process. It's our fault not the devils, because he's defeated. Powers and principalities of darkness are disarmed. If we're getting overloaded in the realm of the soulish realm, which is where it always happens, we're too busy thinking about what we shouldn't be thinking. Have I described somebody you know? If you know somebody like that, may I see your hand? Let's not say, I know somebody like that. Thinking too much about obstacles instead of all of the victories that we have. And this is what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, that rest is for your mind, Let's say it. There is a rest for my mind. How many of you sometimes find that your mind is anything but at rest? May I see your hands? What happens when that happens is your mind is thinking the wrong thing. You're thinking cross-grain with the will of God. You're thinking across grain with the rest of God. If God has called you to do something... You don't have to figure it out and pay for it. God will figure it out and God will pay for it. God will bring His blessings up on you and overtake you. And that sometimes we look at things and we try to put it in our time frame. In other words, how is this going to work out? And then all of us have had things that didn't work out the way they thought they, they would. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 3 is a great example of how we should live our lives, and, and David Green was talking about it. It's, it, it basically says that, that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that we lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily tries to ensnare us, and we look unto Jesus, who was the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the shame and to sit down at the right hand of the seat of God. In other words, our total focus is Jesus. Let's say, my total focus, focus. Jesus. And that we are at total rest knowing this is what God said I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. You pick up your prayer journal. This is what God said I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. Now I'm going to enter into his rest because he said he would give me rest. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know this. My God can take care and supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I can't figure it out, but I have been told by my God to lean not to my own understanding, but in all of my ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct my path. Then it becomes very easy. You can't articulate how everything is going to work out, but you know it is. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 6, that we should not worry about our life. Let's also say, I should, I should never worry about my life. About my life. What, wear, what, what I'll wear, what I'll eat, or anything. Why? Because God has, Jeff, you're all the way back in the back and your wife's all the way up here. It's good. Jeff did an outstanding, Jeff Smith, job at our men's ministry sharing the word of God on humility. Let's give him a hand. We're going to have him share it here sometime. Really a great, great word. And the men's ministry before that was Don Felker, and we're going to have Don share his story. We talked about that too. He did a great job. Give him a hand. We, uh, we got some awesome men, awesome men in this church. But when you get onto this spiritual track of realizing that God is in charge of everything, and that like Jehoshaphat, like David, when Ziklag, when, when it looked like everything is lost, he just inquired of the Lord, God, what, is, what, what do you want me to do? Jehoshaphat, God, I don't know what to do. I know you do. And, and we don't have to figure it out for God. God's got to figure it out for us. You got a business? Give it to God. Got a family? Give it to God. Got a work, workplace situation that's not working well? Give it to God. You're there as unto the Lord. And when you live your life like this, it'll change you. One of the greatest things that any of us could do for our life is just enter into God's rest and never worry again. Jesus said we should never worry. All worry is a distraction. The word worry, merimno, means to be distracted. The devil loves to cause you to worry. There's always something that you can be blessed about. Worry means to be distracted and to be anxious. So if when you're distracted from the things of God and you're worried, it's because you're thinking wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, you may be thinking wrong. And if you start thinking right, then you think, what does God want me to think? When God spoke to Joshua and Joshua was getting ready to take them into the promised land after he had succeeded Moses, God spoke to Joshua and said, Joshua, if you will meditate the word of God day and night, you will have success and you will make your way prosperous. In other words, what we do is meditate the word of God and all of the blessings that God has given us. Every single one of us have tremendous blessings. One of the things I just admire so much about Pastor Stanley, he's over there in the midst of all sorts of challenges at that camp right now. He is so optimistic. He'll say continually, God's grace is sufficient. God's going to bring us through. Everything is going to work for his glory. He will speak the word of God no matter what. I am sure when he came down with typhoid recently on the way to the hospital, he said, I will be healed by the stripes of Jesus and went into that hospital. He was quickly healed of it. Then he came out and he had malaria. And then it turned right around and he said, this too, this one he told me. I was on the phone with him. I said, Stanley, you went from typhoid? to malaria, he said, yep, this too shall pass. I am going on with the Lord, and he just keep right on moving on. I mean, that's the way you and I should live our life. We should never be down. Turn to your neighbor say, you should never be down. You should never be depressed, and you should never be discouraged. But there is a slippery slope. And In verse number 3 of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, consider him, consider Jesus, if you can put that one back up there, consider Jesus, there it is, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners uh, against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Here's the slippery slope. We all have disappointments, and you will have disappointments in the future. What that means is things just aren't going the way I thought they would. I thought it was going to go this way, it went a different way. And we become disappointed. That's all that's I said, that's the fact of life. Turn to your neighbor and say, We all get disappointed. We all get disappointed, but what you've got to do quickly is nail the disappointment, get out of it, and say, you know what? I'm disappointed about this, but my God will take care of it, so I'm leaving it alone, and I'm moving on, because if I don't, I'm going to go to the next step, and the next step is discouragement. Discouragement comes out of people who stay disappointed, and if you stay discouraged, what that means, the word discouragement means you have a lack of courage you do not have the courageous attitude to go forward because you've dwelt on disappointment for so long. I know how this works. I've done that in my life. Years ago, and even fairly recently, there's some things that it's not working out the way I thought it would, and you get disappointed. Okay, you're disappointed. Now suck it up, get up, and move on, and don't stay there. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a good word for you. It's a word I give my wife sometimes, but I, I don't get that look. I, I don't get that beautiful smile right now when I say, suck it up and move on. <laughs> it doesn't work quite that way, but that's okay. But that's, I need that word myself. I need that word myself. If I stay in disappointment, I'll get discouraged. And then if you don't get out of that discouragement and let that thing go, you will eventually be depressed. And once you become depressed, you've got a serious challenge. If you're taking medication, don't stop taking medication. But we got a lot of people on medication today. They got disappointed. They got discouraged. They got depressed. And they're taking a pill. And they need Jesus in their life. And they'll be set free. Can you say amen to that? Now, the Word of God is so clear. Because it tells us we should not worry about anything. And this is what, when, you're, when, when you get to the point, when you say, I, I'm, I am not going to be worried because it distracts me and it makes me anxious about things in my life. And anxiety, it's, it's Philippians 4 that says, uh, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And sometimes we think, how can I not be anxious for anything when things are going the way they are. You know, maybe you just found out you don't have any money, your checkbook's overdrawn, or somebody recently told me they got a, a letter from the IRS that they hadn't declared something on their taxes, and they owed thousands of dollars of taxes. And, you know, somebody died that you'd hoped that they would live. And all, all these things come on that can bring that into our life. It isn't that things don't come against us, but don't let it control you. Don't let your emotions be controlled by an external force that you have no ability to do anything about. Does that make sense? In other words, if you had the ability to do something about it, you would have done it, but it happened, and you may not understand it, but get rid of the lack of understanding and move on so that you can be what God's called you to be. Otherwise, you'll lock up in that situation, and what will happen you start to take control for yourself here's what happened to the children on the very very outskirts of the blessing of god going to give them what we now know as all of Israel actually more than what is now Israel much more land than that going to give it all to them they had come out of Egypt they'd come out of bondage just like you and I have come out of bondage in our life let me see the hands of all the people you came out of the world bondage and you are so free right now I mean if God didn't do another thing for you you've got nothing to do but praise him all day long but he's got more force and we came out of that bondage now we're ready to go on with the promises of God and they're on the very outskirts of the land and the twelve spies go in and they all saw the same thing. Isn't it interesting how people can see the same thing and describe it totally differently? They all saw the same thing. They saw the giants and the descendants of Anak in the land. They saw the fruit, the milk, the honey, everything God described, they saw in the land. Well God didn't describe the giants. But everything that they saw, they saw it together. And when they came back, eight of the ten of the spies 10 of the spies came back and they said, yeah, we saw all that stuff that God said would see, but we also saw the giants in the land and the fortified cities. How many of you realize there's always a giant somewhere? There's always something down there when God tells you to do something because the devil rears his ugly head and tries to make you see something that God doesn't want you to see. God wants you to see and focus on his word and focus upon Jesus. And They came back and and they started to turn the hearts of the people against God himself. We can turn ourselves against God if we don't enter into his rest. None of us in our right mind would say, God, I'm turning against you today. But if you don't enter into his rest, you are turning away from God. And into something that he is not wanting you to do and the direction that he wants you to go. And so the, the the two spies said, we are well able. God said we are well able. But because they would not enter into his rest. And that's what it says in Numbers 14. They would not enter into the rest of believing God and trusting God with what he said. None of those people in a certain age bracket went in. God's will was still done, but it was many, many years later. Had to change the time frame because they wouldn't enter into his rest. There are a lot of people today in the body of Christ who have not entered into his rest to stay. It's like I shared in the first service. Pam and I are very shortly are going to be going down to Longboat Key, Florida. I love this little place down there on the sand where the palm tree is and the little tree and no cell phone and nothing but the waves breaking and all. I know that's where God lives or at least that's what I used to say because I always find him there. God doesn't live there. He lives everywhere. He lives in us and the Lord reminded me when I was getting excited. I, I, I bought a little rain jacket the other day, and Pam says, you're getting ready to flo- for Florida already, aren't you, honey? And I said, yeah, I'm always ready for Florida. But it isn't a question. But what the statement that I'd made is that I love to get away with God in Florida. But you know what? I felt like the Lord corrected me. I am with you in Lafayette. I'm with you in the midst of the challenge and the situation. I'm with you 24-7. Your body and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God dwells within you and wherever you are, the rest that Jesus said he would give you is already in you. We have that rest if we will allow it to consume us. Now, the word of God goes on to say in Hebrews uh, chapter uh, chapter, uh 4, verse 11 and 12. It's such a powerful scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 is a warning. Everybody say warning. warning. It's a warning to all of us that the same thing that happened to the children of God could happen to us. God's not going to turn his back on you and punish you. He loves you. Eternal life is because Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But the blessings of God that He wants to come upon you and overtake you are not going to be there if you don't enter into His rest. And it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. This is paraphrasing everything before. It's in the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 4 and the end of Hebrews chapter 3. It said the children of God would not, and I'm paraphrasing all this, the children of God would not listen to what God said they wouldn't operate on what they knew he told them they wouldn't operate on their prayer journal or whatever they had and and that they 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 wouldn't take what he said and mix it with faith and enter into his rest they refused to rest therefore he said they will not enter into my promise because they will not rest god has a promise for you healing marriages finances being restored, taking care of all of your children, restoring everything that you've ever lost. That's a promise of God for you. The promise of God is Romans 8:28 that we should rest in day in and day out. God uses all things for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. No matter what you experience in your life, past, present, or future, God's going to turn it around and use it for good. And you might think, how could He do that? I remember years and years ago, when I went through that horrible divorce years and years ago, God has turned that thing around, and I can't tell you how many people I've been able to counsel and work with who have gone through it. And I say, you don't want to do that, and let me tell you why. And I say, how do you know that? I said, because I was there, I did it, and it didn't work. Let me tell you what's the right way to do it. God will turn it all around and give it and anoint you to help other people if you'll let him and if you'll open yourself up to him. But it says here, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest that he has for us, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. You and I are called to be obedient to God. That's our position. God, what do you want me to do? That's what I do. God is in charge of taking care of the miracles. He will take care of knocking down the walls of Jericho. He will take care of knocking down the obstacle of your finances he will take care of a troubled mind you give God your mind he will come in and he will occupy your mind he will flood you with things of his spirit and he will change your mind overnight if you will allow him to do it and when we do that we enter into that rest And that rest is not Longboat Key. That rest is not one part of Lafayette, Indiana. That rest is inside us through the eternal rest of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And that we then begin to walk in a new dimension so that no matter what God says for us to do, we're going to be obedient to do it. No matter what happens in our life, we're going to be praising God instead of talking about all the things that aren't going right. Every single one of you could spend the rest of the day talking about things that haven't gone right or aren't going right. Or you could spend the rest of the day talking and encouraging each other about what is going right, the miracles that have come upon you, that have overtaken you, the healings that you've seen, the people that you've seen set free, the miracles that you've had in your finances, all of those things, that is where God wants us to live our life. And then when we do that, it puts us on a whole new plane. Every day is exciting. This is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. We get out of bed in the morning. We're excited about life. We're excited about what God has. It's a new day to serve God every day. Can you say amen to that? Let's all stand to our feet. God's got great, mighty, exciting plans for all of us. Doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. God wants to take control of your life. and He wants you to enter into that rest. That rest will affect every part of your body, every organ in your body, in your mind. If you will open yourself up to God, He will take care of everything in your life. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. And that is, do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Or maybe you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You know that you've drifted away from the things of God. God loves you, but He wants you to come home. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And if you're not sure that if you died today, you'd go to be with Jesus, you need to make that a reality in your life. If you're here and you say, Pastor, you've described me. I I know I've drifted away from the things of God. But I'm ready to come home. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air going to pray for you. Take just a moment, anyone at all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you feel like there is and has been a weariness and a discouragement trying to come upon your mind? Can I see your hands? see Yeah, lift them up real high. God's will is to remove all of that off of your life this moment. All of you that lifted your hands, I want you to quickly come to the altar. I believe today that's going to lift off of you. You've heard the word of God. The word of God is true. And as we come to this altar, we're just saying, God, no more no more in the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand in this congregation. Stretch your hands out toward these at this altar. Stretch your hands out. Sue, I want you to help me over there praying. Sandy, I want you to get down on the other end. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every person at this altar. We bind weariness and discouragement in the name of Jesus. I thank you that today, is the last day that it will ever be entertained.